Hey everybody, welcome back to Black Belt or Bust. I'm Misty. And I'm Keely. Today we are talking about what to expect, but the mental aspects of what to expect from yourself and maybe your peers a little bit too. Right, so Um, Tuesday we focused on physical expectations and today we're talking about mental expectations. First, maybe somebody is listening to this that they haven't committed to going to the gym yet. Versus a couple people that are listening that maybe you've already gone to a couple classes. Well, you've already defeated the first mental battle. You've Mm -hmm. already faced that. And that is walking into the gym and going to class. Yes, your first day. So, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, if you listen to, you know, the intro episode, you kind of learn about what it was like for me and you. Right. When we started. And some of the obstacles we had to overcome. But part of that mental aspect of... You know, what to expect are these expectations we put on ourselves. And Tuesday we talked about these physical expectation expectations like I'm not fit or my athleticism isn't where it needs to be. I don't I'm not picking this up like other people because I'm not as quote unquote talented as they may seem so Right. So we yeah. already have a mental picture of what we believe a martial artist should be yes so the point of this episode is to break that down and let you know that a martial artist can be anybody oh yeah from anywhere who's done anything or who has done nothing before yeah so personally like when i thought martial artist i never thought me i (laughs) never like at all at all (laughs) and a lot of people like we don't talk about that where it's very much like this martial artist has to be what you see in the movies this calm composed graceful badass or like badass exactly (laughs) you you don't think of the normal person no so misty how is it for you mentally telling yourself to try jujitsu i know you had a little bit of a different background than i did yes well first of all I haven't talked about this yet, but I'm going to mention it. My first image of martial arts was the Power Rangers in the 90s. Oh, I believe it. You were totally a Pink Ranger. Yes, of course. You were totally a Pink Ranger. Do you know she inspired me to do gymnastics and tumbling too, which is like a different story, but... Oh, I see Since it. Since we're talking about, that. like, our idea of what a martial artist is going to be, I'm not going to lie, my first image was a Power Ranger, too. So, now, <laughs> just, and that's a sidebar, but talking about <laughs> how well, um, or, yeah, how we pick up material and remembering material. So, yeah, talking about, like, what it was like the first time we did this. For me, my first week of jujitsu, I was a hot mess. I repeat that to David on a daily basis where I was like, my first week I was a hot mess. I still don't in my brain comprehend how to do a cross collar choke from mount. Oh, that was your uh, first class too. Side control, an arm bar from side control. Like these things where it took me a week in that I was like, what the hell is this? What did I <laughs> sign up for? But I kept coming back even though I couldn't pick it up because I knew eventually I would. And I fell in love with what BJJ was and what it was going to offer me because my initial step going into was I've got to defend myself. I've got to defend myself for get out of the situation I'm in. I don't have a choice to leave this even though I'm not picking up the this this technique. See, and for me it was I would always tell myself, oh, it'd be great if I could do this. I would love to be able to do this. And then either wouldn't put myself out there to try it or to really commit the time necessary to be good at something. And again, I started when I was a little bit bigger and the entire time I was just like, when I think of martial artists, I think of these really fit 
graceful beings. A pink Power Ranger. <laughs> really. But really. I'm just but but again, it's you have this mentality of what you think it should be. Yeah. Or what you think it's like. Or in my mind, I was like, all these people are going to be so great. And I wasn't willing to start something new to put myself in a position where I wasn't good at something. Yeah. That's, that's a hard part. Yeah. And so once I had just decided to do it, it was more of, okay, if I'm going to go to class, I'm going to go to class every single day this week. Force myself into it so that it wasn't a, I don't, oh, I didn't have a good experience. Again, my instructor and I, my first instructor and I were talking about this yesterday, actually, where she was like, you would come in and you didn't talk to anybody and you would be the first out the door. Like you'd come in right before class and then you'd leave and you wouldn't say anything. And she's like, now you're doing a podcast. But that's how it was. I was terrified because I didn't think I had what it took to practice jujitsu. So a lot of people like you'll, they'll talk about they've been bit by the jujitsu bug, which means you go once and you're like, I need to live here. I need to live in the gym and do this all day, every day. Was that not what it was like for you? Nope. It was consistently showing up and be, I had started my master's at the time and for me it was mental and I, I needed something. I needed something physically different because I wasn't doing sports. I wasn't in the gym a lot. I didn't know what to do for workouts. You know, I had a, unhealthy relationships with food. I needed something to fill that void. And the more I went, the more I could see myself being there. So it was... Wasn't love at first sight. It was like one of those moments where you're doing it for a while and then you realize I can't live without this. Yes. That's what jujitsu was for me. Yes. Where I just realized how much I needed it in my life. But it wasn't until I'd been doing it for a while that I acknowledged that. Yeah. I but feel that. I remember it was I think I'd been going to classes for two weeks. This is the first time I had shown up on a, a weekend for an open mat. My instructor at the time, Jay McIntosh, asked me, because I was at the gym by myself waiting for somebody. I'd never gone to an open mat. I'm just sitting there waiting. And he just looks at me and goes, so what's wrong with you? That's how he said it. Just, what's wrong with you? And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, something's got to be wrong with you for you to want to do jujitsu." Oh, yeah. He was like, <laughs> he was like, so what's wrong with you that you want to kill people for fun? And that really broke the ice where I was just like, oh, this is, this is why I want to do it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it forced me to reevaluate. And then after that, it was like, okay, I'm committed. Bought my gi. Like, we're, we're doing this. So, overcoming that initial part of this new thing. We're putting ourselves out there on... It's so many levels. It's, one, simulated murder. Hello. Like, that's scary. <laughs> and honestly, that's that's the easiest part. Yeah. Is that we're, we're only killing each but other. But we're also going into this new environment uh, with adults. You know, we're taking our spare time to learn a new skill. So we're overcoming a lot of things where we have to feel vulnerable, whether that's looking goofy like me. And it wasn't even that I was like, I look so goofy. It was, no, I'm taking on a new skill. Why would I be good at this my first day? And for me, it was my first while. Like, it really did take some time for me to really grow within jujitsu as far as developing technique. But I wasn't willing to give up because why, why would I give it up? There's, it made no sense for me to stop going. See, and for me, it was a struggle, especially in the beginning, because I've been in academia. I've always been, like, I've felt smart. Mm-hmm. And this, everything I did was wrong. My instincts were wrong. Mm-hmm. And I felt like an idiot. And that was very hard coming from, like, coming from somebody who would win awards in academics and do all this stuff and was valedictorian and was really good in classes. I felt like, oh, I'm a smart person. Mm-hmm. 
And that's where, again, where ego comes in the way a little bit. Yeah. Like, a mental confliction. Yeah. And I thought that I was smart to an extent, and I could pick it up, and I could understand it, and then I didn't, and I felt dumb. And it, I really struggled with that, because I was already being really pressed hard in academics and in school, that I didn't want the hobby to also cause me to feel like I was a punching bag. Yeah. Literally and metaphorically. Yeah. So it's the that big. It's crazy. Like we've never actually we talked, about we talked about this. <laughs> but it's not only coming into the gym, but that mentality of wanting to start stays with you for the first couple of classes. It's not mm-hmm. just like, oh, I signed up for my first class. It's going to go away. No, like that first baby jujitsu period <laughs> is very sensitive on you mentally because you're fighting with yourself. Should I do this? Should I commit? This is a financial commitment. This is a time mm-hmm. commitment. This is a mental commitment. This is a physical commitment. You're still on the fence about it. Yes. So let's say you got through all that. Yeah. Okay. And there's no, there's no true way to get through it. You have to go through your own mental battles. Talk to someone, talk to a couple upper ranks, talk to somebody your size, well, talk to somebody in your situation. Maybe they can give you insight for how they made that decision. Okay, so going into that, let's touch on something as far as having a trauma-based background. Like, I'm not a mental health expert, but I do have a trauma-based background. Going into this form of martial arts, for me, and during you know, what I was dealing with, because this is why I wanted to do it... What I told myself was, I have to get over my own personal bullshit. I have to do this. I have to condition. I have to learn. I have to grow. That was that was non-negotiable. That wasn't a choice for me. I kept going. But there were aspects within the gym that we have talked about on previous episodes of why I kept going back. Right. On top of this ability that I can save my own life if I need to. Part of that mental hump of going in there is meet yourself with where you're at mentally, not just physically, but you have to say, okay, have I been choked before by someone? Because I'm going to be doing chokes. I'm going to have to get choked before. Has somebody had me in a position where I've almost broken my arm? These things that you, you're going to have these triggers. You're going to have so many aspects of that that it is mental so like I said I'm not a mental health expert you know I go to counseling I've been to counseling um injured trauma but that's what I did for myself and so you do have to check in and say hey why am I here what resources do I have to get me through this and just under meeting yourself with where you're at mentally so that's something to say because we did talk about physical aspect is like fitness athleticism talent but mentally you're going to go through some through things that may trigger you just and just have an awareness of that so that's just another thing I wanted to well, t- touch on and and going into that especially when you first start and you saying that made me think of a couple predicaments I was in uh working with newer people you don't have to tell everybody everything that happened no by no means but if you think this is going to trigger you yes or if you think a certain predicament or position is going to affect you negatively and you need to work on progression rather than the actual movement. Yes. Please let someone know. I know when I was a first first starting out as a white belt, I had only been going for a couple months and a new girl came in. I started working with her while we were working Mount Escape. I get got in Mount, didn't think anything of it, and she was frozen. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize, because I didn't know, that that was a bad position for her. Yes. And she had a panic attack. And the rest of the class, we we were talking and we were, I was calming her down. But I didn't know that that was going to impact her the way it did. Yes. 
And so it wasn't until after I had already put her through a more traumatic experience Mm -hmm. that I realized, okay, you know, if something is going to trigger you, you don't have to tell them everything. But maybe go to the instructor and be like, I have been in an abusive or just vague terms. Mm -hmm. And that some things are going to impact me negatively, particularly people being on top of me. That way they can approach it. And even if they don't tell me the situation, just being like, hey, we're slowly going to progress to mount today. Okay, that's all I need to know. Yeah. Or, or that, yeah. you need to tell me I'm not comfortable with this. Even if you don't tell me the background, mm-hmm. I'm not really comfortable here. Can we just work on getting here? Yes. Okay. We're going to work on that just so that we can also make your transition as easy as possible. Yeah. So we talked about our mental battles and experiences yes. coming into the gym or just yeah. starting at the gym. Yeah. Now we want to talk about some things that particularly new white belts mentally mental obstacles you're going to face when you first start and we're not talking about like because that's why we touched on the trauma because we're not talking about this part we are talking about every white belt goes through this everybody goes through this so the number one thing when you are starting out and you're rolling and you're doing jujitsu in general understand that you need to be willing to tap over and over and over and over again Because that's how you get through being a white belt. Everybody has had to tap multiple times. Even upper rank. We tap all the time. It's it's respecting the tap. Yes. But what we mean by respecting the tap is it doesn't matter who cuts you. Who cuts you. Who gets you. It doesn't matter if it's a first day white belt. It doesn't matter if it's a 20 year black belt. It doesn't matter if it's somebody that just got promoted after you. It doesn't matter. What matters is that if they technically get you, and what I mean by technically get you, in that their technique, in that if their technique is sound and they have you in a submission, and it's not just this sloppy ass thrown together submission, Mm -hmm. respect it. You're not going to muscle out of it. If you don't know how to get out of it, there's nothing wrong with that. That's part of the learning process is if you get me in an arm bar a hundred times, guess what? I'm going to start improving not getting in the arm bar or escaping the armbar correctly. Yes. I'm not just going to, for example, small people are going to get you that get somebody in a triangle. Guess what? Big people try to pick you up and slam the shit out of you. Oh, it's yeah. It's happened to me a lot. Yeah. I had an incident where I was rolling with a, when I was newer, rolling with another white belt. We both started at the same time. I was in clothes guard and she refused to pass my clothes guard picked me up and slammed me on the ground in the octagon. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so that's another thing, too, where, like, we're talking about the tap, but it's also that muscling or being like, oh, I can do this because I'm going to do this. If you do that in a tournament, guess what? You're disqualified. Yeah. And it's, a lot of it is going to be awareness and having to admit they got me. That that mental battle of can I get out of it and then accepting that they did. A lot of people, for example, a lot of people come in and they say, I'm not going to tap to a girl. <laughs> I get that a lot. Missy's gotten that a lot. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. I have the boys, the little boys, <laughs> that won't tap because I'm a girl. And I'm like, yo, I am a blue belt. I am twice your size. Like, it doesn't matter. Right. And it's also opening up yourself for injury or you're going to injure your partner. Mm-hmm. And in terms of that, this happened when I was blue belt. A guy that was a lot larger than me, I took his back. And rather than either letting me get the choke 
or trying to technically get out of it, he was in a squatted position. He decides to do like a jump forward, like a like a forward flip and lands on me to get me off of him. While I had turned my head up to see what was happening, I ended up getting a neck injury. Oh my God. He landed on my neck. I, I remember just pain. Me curled up in a ball crying. My instructor came over and I was just yelling, don't touch me. I had no idea that happened. Yeah, and oh this God. was a big guy. After And afterwards, him and I, after, probably a couple weeks after that, we had a good discussion being like, you can't do that shit. I'm half, I was less than half of his weight. And this was, yeah, I, I had to go to the chiropractor to get my neck worked on for months. And like, I would, I would still have like reoccurring issues, like flare ups and stuff. But yeah, so it's not only to protect yourself. It's to protect your training partners too, because if you start muscling out of things and they're not the same size as you, mm-hmm. you may not realize how much damage you can inflict upon oh, them. Oh yeah, like your your teammates are not your competition, which they're is not. sad that like that has to be stated. But the people you are in your home gym with, or even people you cross train with regularly, these people are not your competition, and so and if you think that they are, that's something that you need to you need to reevaluate with yourself yes to determine why do you feel as though they are your competition Mm -hmm. or in instances you need to have a chat with that person being like you know like for example like say misty and i were really going hard with each other one day we just need to sit down and be like i'm insecure about myself and that you are really good as a blue belt and i was not emotionally taking taking that well i see how much natural progression you have and that was my own ego in the way that's why that role went to yeah. the extreme, you know, being able to acknowledge maybe it's not that person, maybe it's something about yourself, and that's the reason why you're starting to feel competition between the two people. Yeah, and if that tends to happen, th- this is what our coach said too. If you feel that way, or if you feel other people feel that way, that's why there's actual tournaments and actual <laughs> so competitions. <laughs> so you can go compete. Like for me, you know, I'm not threatened by any of my teammates because I go compete. You know, if my teammates are helping me get better or if they're, you know, more aggressive or stronger, now that I have the skill to protect myself, keep myself safe, that's one thing. But using things like that helps me in my, like, prepare for my own tournaments because I'm like, you're not getting me a medal. This role during our, you know, whatever class this is, isn't going to get me a medal. You don't need a run. I'm going out there, out there. Yeah, exactly. You All of your roles don't need to be like you're rolling 100% and yeah. it's a final at Worlds. You yeah. don't need to do that. It's, like, <laughs> again, evaluating what is it that is causing you to feel this way. Again, yes. that goes into mental. Again, like we were talking, part of it's your ego. Yeah. Having to put, step, put aside your ego and be humble in the fact that this person who is half my weight just tapped me out. That's putting your ego aside and your humbleness stepping in, being like, they got me. They technically... They were technically sound and they got me. Yeah. And I didn't throw a fit about it. I didn't go like all like King Kong, like (laughs) ripping, like beating my chest and slamming them all over the place. Yeah. Well, there's so many like variations on that or factors to that. But if you're, you're taking out your ego and you're allowing yourself to be humble, you will progress with when you're, you're humble. And I feel that because when you can respect that someone's more skilled than you at your rank or if you're rolling with a higher rank that you know they have the, I guess, wisdom, but they have the skill with the knowledge. When you're tapping to these people, that's 
actually a good thing because it does allow you to grow and progress because you're like, right. this person is going to help me get better. Like if I just tap to you, I want to roll. And this is my personal preference too. If we roll and you do something and you tap me, guess what I want to do again? I want to slap hands and bump fists and go again. Exactly. Because I'm saying I'm weak here. I'm weak in this position. I'm weak in this position, in this position. I need to keep going because I need, and this is separating the ego. So I'm like, okay, if let's say I'm rolling with Hannah and she gets me in an arm bar. Okay, obviously I'm like, she arm barred me, duh. But let's roll again. What I can improve on is my arm bar escapes. I'm not trying to beat Hannah or get better than Hannah, but I'm like, can I prevent her from getting me in an arm bar? Or can I first escape her arm bars before I prevent them? So, so you stay humble because you're like, I'm willing to tap. Because if I keep tapping with you and you see that I'm humble, which we've had this discussion with someone else too, they want to keep working with you as well where they're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, it goes back into respect. So the Hannah that she's talking about, we're actually going to have an interview in the next couple of weeks with her. Hannah Scoggin, she's a purple belt and uh, Amy MMA fighter. She's about to make her pro debut here, hopefully in the next year. And that she's a purple belt at UFC Jim Greenville under David Close. And Hannah is probably closer to Misty's size. Mm-hmm. And even though her and I are both purple belts and we got them roughly about um, two months from each other, Hannah can whoop my ass <laughs> up and down the mats. <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah. You know, just because her and I are at the same rank does not mean we are at the same level. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, she is also doing striking and MMA. Mm-hmm. You know, her pressure's on point. She knows how to move. She's got a lot of conditioning. She can whoop my ass. Oh, on top of and that, that's fine. this is her career. Exactly. She, MMA is her, her career goal where she knows she's also going to come back to jiu-jitsu eventually. So it's pretty much expected, but... We don't look at Hannah and say, okay, I want to beat Hannah. Like, I need to. It's It's like, like, no, I'm going to go work with Hannah. (laughs) I I want Hannah to to beat the shit out of me. You're like, I got to get it. So that I get better. Yeah. So, especially for those of you that are newer, newer white belts, maybe a new blue belt, do not see the upper belts or those that started at the same time as you as competition. Mm -hmm. You're all in this together. On top of the fact that don't assume that just because somebody has a certain body size, they should be able to do certain things. So, for example, when I first started, one of the first conversations I had with my coach, he said women will progress more, tend to progress more quickly through the ranks due to the fact that they have to focus on technique because they are smaller. And because you have a group of gentlemen that are larger that are going to be more muscling and being like, no, I can do this. I don't need to do it technically. It's a mindset and it takes them a while longer that once the women have actually started exceeding expectations and they're starting to progress because they're using techniques, being able to use techniques on the people that are muscling, it forces them to realize, oh, I can't muscle them anymore. Mm -hmm. And then they evaluate, I need to work on techniques. So sometimes going against a larger person, they might actually take a little bit longer due to the fact that they have to rewire their brain to realize, oh, I I have to get out of my habits and actually focus on technique and kind of knock themselves back down a little bit. So you are going to see differences in terms of, you know, the women are going to progress a little bit differently than the men. Sizes, you're going to see a little bit of differences. The biggest differences you're going to see are who shows up. Meaning, are you going to class consistently? Mentally telling yourself to continue to go to class. That is the only way to get better. Not only going to class and being consistent, but 
we had an interview with someone today that said, make your reps count. If you're in class, be in class, be present. Don't be talking to your friends. No. It's not, this it's, is, it's, it's a social hour. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> but, we respect that. But, but it's. You have to work when you're there if you want to get better. Yeah, this is your one hour. It might be your one hour a week where you get to focus on jujitsu. No offense, but if that is the only time I get a rep, and I had to take time off recently because of school and everything, so now I value my gym time a lot more, and that there are certain times where I'm like, I'm hit, like open mat, this is my social hour. This is where I get to talk to my mm-hmm. friends for the BJJ community that I don't see outside of the gym. But when it's a class or if it's like a competition class, you best believe we're not talking. Oh, yeah. We, we are focused on what we are doing to work. Yeah. And the only time... We tend to talk if we know we're getting ready for tournament or if we're there where it's like, you'll tell me, hey, I have this hour. Let's get ready for IBJJF. Okay, we go, we drill. Sometimes we'll talk, but it's either to talk about a technique or say, hey, maybe we need to work on this. Let's go ahead and just focus. So it's that communication part. And we also give each other a heads up. So for example, there will be a day where it's, I just need to move. I need to thought process Mm -hmm. some series that I've been working on or a game plan. And we'll spend the hour where it's back and forth, give and take. We are talking a little bit more than actually getting reps. And then it'll be next day. Okay. We're going to do nothing but rep this out. Yep. And then the next day, put on some music and we're just going, Mm -hmm. not talking, not bullshitting, yep. getting to work. Yep. So whenever you come into the gym, be able to separate. I know in the beginning you don't know a lot of people, so part of it is getting to know your partners, building that trust, building that relationship, especially with your coach and communication. But then you have to reel back a little bit, maybe not talk as much, maybe just focus on getting reps in, working on muscle memory, body movement, rather than asking every single movement, well, why are you doing that? Well, why are you doing that? Well, if you give me a second to finish the movement, then I can tell, then I can show you or I can teach you. So being very receptive and aware of maybe not talk all the time, or maybe it's not social hour all the time. Maybe sometimes just focus on the technique and get through the techniques. There's a balance there and you learn to, you learn to find that balance and you learn to find the people you want to work with and the people that work well with you. Because if like, yeah, like you said, you're like, I just need to work through this or you're like, I just need to think about this. Like... Let's say you want to work on a hill hook. I'm like, okay, here's, here's, here's my, my legs. legs. You yeah. just do what you need to do. It's Tell trust. Me what I need it's to do, trust. and I'll just, you know, I don't say anything. I'm like, here's my legs, and then you just figure it out. Well, <laughs> and ha- we've gotten to the point, white belts, find your person. And it doesn't matter if it's a lower belt. It doesn't matter if it's the same person. It doesn't matter if it's upper belt. Find someone that you have that relationship with. Where you you can like Misty will be sitting down on the mats and some days I'll just literally walk over grab her foot she doesn't I don't even talk to her <laughs> and I just start working on something and she just has her foot yeah. and then she's like do you need me to do anything do you need me to try and escape and it's just we have this unspoken an understanding that I am here as your training partner you are there as mine mm-hmm. and that we have such trust in one another that. Okay, she just came up behind me and starts choking me. And she says, hey, like, tell me if this works or not. And we have the trust in which to let that, allow that to happen. Yeah. So definitely build a relationship. Um, we kind of got off topic a little bit. No, but it's, it's still part of that, though, which goes into the humbleness and the ego and the mentality. Because you're there to work and grow, not just physically and developing a skill, but it's there's so much mental growth. And you're like, for anyone who is a white belt and you, you, you're there with several, several other white belts or whoever you're there with, take a note of how people are at the point where you are in time right now 
and then look at everybody a year later and it's yes. in if they're there if, if they're, they're there. there and it's insane the growth that happens within that time because everybody's working on something they're going through themselves mentally because that white belt phase you see so much more growth in that time because it's so magnified. Every, you can it see is. It. someone will be like, "Oh, your that pass is amazing," or "You've gotten so good at this," or "Mentally, you've grown." But then it, and we'll get into it later. But as a white belt, this is such a growth stage that you see on a like magnified level. And here's the biggest challenge I give you: when you first walk in the doors, write down anything you know about jujitsu. Anything. Do you, do you know what closed guard means? Do you know what a sweep is? Do you know any of these things? When you get your first stripe, I want you to ask yourself the same question. Or when you get your first belt, or like your, you get your blue belt, ask yourself, what do I know about jiu-jitsu? And then think back to the day you walked in. Yeah. And you'll realize how much growth you've had since then. Yes. We don't think about it because, you know, we train every, like we try to train every day. We go through the motion and we don't reflect back on... Well, when I started, I was a blank slate. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the whole point of the white belt is that you are a blank slate. Exactly, because it's white. Like it's there's nothing there's heat. nothing there. Yeah, I think whenever they say blank slate, like whenever you're born, uh, it's what tabula rasa, something like that. What? There's this idea that whenever you're whenever you're born, you're innocent because you are a blank, a true blank slate. I, so whenever I, that might be the term, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's been a while since I had like high I school history class. <laughs> Anyways. And that I, I get what you're saying though. And I that as it. you come in, you are this pure, innocent little white belt for like five minutes because then you're gonna do something stupid. Or someone feels you roll for the first time, and you're like, or uh-uh. you, or you slap the shit out of someone during your first roll, kick someone, knee someone, elbow someone. Um, I have a friend who's a blue belt that every time we roll together, I will get kneed in the face. Chad, I'm calling you out. I will get kneed in the face and bleed. It happened. It happened like three times in one week. I love him to death. But it, stuff happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Understand you're not going to be perfect. Understand you're going to be tapped. Understand you may tap others. And this is going to go into our next topic. So when you tap someone, there's... You it's always a, remember, like, the first time you've tapped someone. I already know. I know with my what you tap tapped them with. Yes, I know who I... The first time I t- was able to tap someone in a role that was an adult bigger than me and I know exactly what I tapped him with and I remember that feeling because I had been getting my ass kicked for six months every day every or six days a week six days a week getting my ass kicked and it was that moment that it was beautiful for me not because I over like because I'm like oh yeah I tapped so and so I'm like it wasn't even that it was this progress Six months. It was. <laughs> but I wasn't walking around like, oh, I tapped so-and-so, like, or celebrating every time I tapped someone. It wasn't a celebration. It was like, yay. It wasn't this. It wasn't this ego inflation. Because guess what? With every tap you, you, you're you able to do to someone, you're going to get tapped like 20 times. Probably more. <laughs> That's the ratio. <laughs> but what we're getting at is what kind of celebration is understandable. Yeah. So you just tap someone. The feeling of being like, I just did a technique correctly. Yes. Is very exciting. Or and I've it's grown. it's very 
promotional in a sense that if you haven't gotten anything and you feel like you've been losing matches, that's that's a big thing is that any match in the beginning, if you feel like you didn't tap someone, you feel like you lost. Yeah. If you feel like you were tapped, you feel like you failed. Mm-hmm. And that's not it. You're going to hear a lot, especially for competitors, in every loss you learned. You're going to hear that a lot. That's also every day in the gym, too, in that... Say somebody had a dominant position on me the entire time. I'm going to be very discouraged because in my mind, I'm like, I lost. They they dominated me the whole time. Yeah. Or if somebody submitted me in the beginning, it was, oh my gosh, I got submitted by this again well, and again and again. I felt the opposite where, and you see this in the way I compete now. Like I'll roll with someone and I don't tap them. And I'm like, have I even progressed? Like I should... Or what is it? But I, then I get that. David's like, he's like, you dominated that entire role. Dominated. And I'm like, but it didn't feel like it. I, and I know that's an ego thing too. So. No, no, no. It's not because whenever I wanted to start competing and I was focused on more points, I wasn't submitting. Yeah. A lot of the times I, and David calls it catch and release, We'll all get into position and be like, oh, this is an option, but I don't want the role to end. I want to continue going, so mm-hmm. I won't do a submission, and we'll continue to go through the role, to go through the positions and transitions, and just see where we're going to end up. It's like this yeah. nice little story. I don't want it to end. <laughs> I want to keep going. But sometimes if you submit the person and they don't know either how to get out or where the next step is, it, the role's over. Yeah. You know, I don't, want, I don't want to stop whenever there's so much more we could do. So a lot of times I won't submit, and so many people will be like, oh, well, you didn't tap me. So I must have done well. And it's like, that's not the intention of the role. Yeah. Or you find that same beauty within a flow roll. Flow rolls are beautiful. Actual flow rolls. We'll talk about that in another episode. But a, a, a true flow roll is an ebb and flow in mm-hmm. which you allow your partner to do something. And then you respond. And it's a give and take. You're literally flowing through movements rather than resisting. You're following the path of least resistance in a flow roll. And, and you're just moving with it. And you're like, where are the, we going? The best flow rolls we've ever had, we've actually closed our eyes. Yeah. And it's been where you have to stay connected to your partner at all times. And you have to feel where their body's moving, where their center of gravity, what their intention is. Like, you feel it through your body. And it's I, a beautiful moment. I felt like this when we were doing those flow rolls was developing so much more trust with each other because mm-hmm. it was like i've got to find keely where's keely yeah <laughs> rather we than would, i'm finding you to choke you or armbar you or get in a dominant position it was like where's my partner it was we had to stay connected the whole time and honestly the best ones we've had i remember feeling afterwards such satisfaction but I could not tell you a single thing we did in that entire no. role. No. That's the that's the part of it is you just allow your body to move. Getting off track. But again, this goes <laughs> this goes into building a relationship with your partner. But also respecting your partner. Mm-hmm. So there are some days Misty and I will have like these flow roll-esque and it's like, okay, Misty, you're gonna be the initiator the whole time. I'm just gonna respond to you. Cause yeah. she's like, I have a competition coming up. And it's like, okay, I want you to lead the role. So it'll literally be, she puts me in a submission. I escape from it. We get in a new spot. She sweeps me. I escape from it. We get in a new spot. It doesn't always have to be you are the aggressor or you are on offense. Sometimes the best roles could be you're on defense. Or when you know I'm working on my passing, you try to maintain a guard the whole time. Right. Or you're moving just you're just moving around just to make sure I can I can you move are as working. well. But you're not it's not one of those things, even if I do pass your guard, I'm not like, oh I passed Keely's guard. I'm like, 
no, this was the intent of the role is we're working guard, guard passing, guard retention, because that's how we're both getting better at each position. Right. And I know, like, thinking back to my white belt self, that I had moments where I was like, oh, my God, I finally passed this guard. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as you don't express it in a way that you're really shoving it down somebody's throat. Yeah. Like, if you have this upper belt who more than likely lets you do it or lets you get out because they saw you were on the edge of understanding and it's like, yes, 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 yes. I want you, I want you to pass the guard because you're finally getting it. They could have easily swept you. Oh, yeah. Believe it. They could have swept you, but they want you to grow. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes those moments when we're so excited being like, I finally did this. They're sitting over there like, you dumbass, I let you. <laughs> Can I tell you a story? I laugh about it. I yes. still laugh about it. Yes. So we were doing past week submit on a, on a Wednesday. And it was me with three white belts. And I think you might have been the other person that was stayed in. But it was like me and three white belts. And... I was walking one of them through passing my guard because I was so sick of like conti- being, in the middle. <laughs> being in the middle. Being in the middle. I was tired. I needed a break. But so I walk her through passing my guard. I was like, okay, get your underhook. And you need a hip switch. And then you walk in. And I'm like, it wasn't loud enough so the other people heard me, but she was hearing me walk her through it, but she was still like panting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like rushing through it. And she does it. And everybody's like, yay, you passed her guard. And she's a little. Like, like, so, and I laughed about it because I was like, I literally gave her instructions on how to pass my guard because I'm sick of being in this position and I need to drink water. Like, I get that. But then also sometimes it's one of those, like, I'm not going to, I don't want you to know that I let, I let you get something. Yeah. Because I remember how important it was to me when Jessica would let me work. Mm-hmm. where it didn't feel like with a lot of the guys, it felt like I was constantly being shut down and I couldn't get anything or do anything or move. I was always trapped. Yeah. And I couldn't escape because I didn't understand it yet. I would always get very frustrated. And then she would let me be in positions I normally wasn't in. I was mm-hmm. never in top position. Yeah. So she would play a guard and allow me to move. I was never in that position with somebody else. Um, so it's not only who you're working with, but what rank are you working with, too? Because yeah. say there's a lot of us that are the same rank. We can be very competitive or we don't know when to give, when to take. Yeah. But if you are just starting out, don't automatically pair with a white belt being like, oh, we're together. Don't be afraid to approach an upper belt being like, will you work with me today? Yeah. If they've got a competition and they express that like, oh, I need to get these certain roles in today, that's one thing. But they should they should never not take the time to work with you. Oh, yeah. Like the few times, even it'll happen at open mat. Where I might be one of, like, the few upper-ranked women. Nobody talks to me. And it's very frustrating. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, w- I want to work with you. Yeah, because even... And I'm not I'm not going to say, like, a warm-up role or, like, drilling. But sometimes it helps us as... I'm not much of an upper rank. But if you're a white belt and you're saying, hey, I want to roll. I need to work on this position. Okay, come find me because I'll help you. For me, it's the intention of the role. Yeah. I learn some of the most things from white belts. Because if there's something that I'm stuck on, or if I keep getting passed a certain way, or if I keep, or if I'm attempting something and it's like not 100% there, I do it to a white belt. Because I want to see how you react. Because again, like we were talking about with coachability, they don't automatically exclude options. They try a different thing. 
And half the time it's like, I want to do something and I want you to pass me Mm -hmm. because I want to work from a bad position. So if you aren't often in dominant positions, okay, come with me. You're going to be in a dominant position. You're going to make me work out of it because that's the only way I'm going to get better too. Yeah. Is because I can't just do it all ever I want. I need to put myself in a position where I'm doing stuff I either don't do a lot, Mm -hmm. such as fundamentals. A lot of people, you're going to realize... We don't work on fundamentals nearly as often as we need to. So okay. we honestly need to be with new people to force us to work on those fundamentals and have a sounder game. Yeah. And when I was a white belt, I would seek upper ranks on a regular basis to roll with me because one, why not? And two, I would always communicate with them. I said, "Is did, did I help you in any way during that role? Or if we roll together, how can I help you? What is it that I can do as a white belt? Because I find that I can always help while I'm getting help myself. Try not to be like selfish. It's just one of those things where I just want to understand I'm not wasting your time. See, and then I was the opposite where I wasn't communicative with them in that, in a sense, I felt as though I'm a white belt. There's no way I can help this person. So I just wouldn't, Mm -hmm. or I would only work with other white belts. And even if we struggled with something, it was like, I'm going to figure this out on my own eventually because I didn't want to inconvenience someone. Yeah. And now that I'm in the position where I see somebody going through what I went through and I real and I'm in the position where it's like no, just save yourself months of heartache and just come ask your question yeah. or just work with me one day. Um, another thing that, like we're talking about with training partners, don't feel as though you only have to work with one person. We yeah. do have our favorites. Not gonna lie, Missy and I we work together a lot, mm-hmm. but and that's just because we work well together. Exactly, that's we click. Yeah. But don't confine yourself to say you and your friends started at the same Mm -hmm. time and you only train when your friend does. That's limiting yourself. Yeah. Be willing to train with other people and to be on your own individual journey rather than being like reliant on one person. Yeah. So that you can learn from a vast majority of people. And who knows, maybe then you're going to be working more with upper ranks who can lead you through the movement better. And my experience from that as well is, you know, I felt like that in the beginning where I had my... It wasn't favorites, but people that I just preferred to train with that were there and they weren't going to be there. And I was kind of nervous because I was still so new in this journey. Right. But I went and I rolled and, you know, it was people that were really going to challenge me that I had to roll with. But that's where, you know, my coach saw a lot of my growth because it eliminated those people. And I'm not saying those people are holding you back either, but... Allowing yourself to know that, hey, this is my journey as well. I'm the one paying my gym membership fee. Mm -hmm. I'm the one who bought this gi or these rash guards and spats. I'm the one that's showing up and taking my time. This is my journey. And if it is a social aspect for you, if it's just, hey, this is the only time I can see my friends, that's different. But if you want to grow within the sport, allow other people to help you because everybody there is trying to grow and it helps when you're growing together. Right. So not only is it the intention at which you are practicing and which you are training and the reasoning and all of the mental conflictions that got you here and now having to set your ego aside Mm -hmm. and deal with being humble and accepting that technique trumps all. This is all a big conflicting event and that's why this episode is really jumped around a little bit more just because that's how our minds work yeah everybody bounces around a little bit you can't stay on one train of thought you you kind of branch off into different facets but the one thing i want to end on 
Ladies in particular, and I still struggle with this. I don't know, Misty, if you struggle with this, but I still struggle with this at times, especially with the expectations of being an upper rank, but do not be afraid to say no. Yes. And that if you have kind of a hesitation with rolling with someone and that you don't think you can roll with them safely and you are actually worried being like, you know, this guy goes very aggressively. They don't, they just, they want to tap everybody out. Mm -hmm. You know, even as an upper rank, I've had that where there's multiple times I don't want to roll with someone because they don't respect the role. Yeah. They just want to feel good about themselves. They just want to show off their dick size Mm -hmm. and that they want to be like, well, I'm new and I smashed everybody. I don't care. I'm not going to put myself in a position where I'm going to get injured. However, I will say yes the second I see you hurting one of my girls. Or if you can't control yourself with someone that is a good training partner to me or a small, particularly smaller people, then we're rolling. Yeah. And that's when I'm going to let myself be a little bit more aggressive rather than working on survivability. Uh, Because with newer people, I don't focus on doing fancier things or working on submissions. I want to see in the real world, can I protect myself? Yes. There, I've had that incidence too where, you know... I dealt with a similar situation. I dealt with a situation where it was a guy who was seeking out the smaller, quote, unquote, weaker females. <laughs> That's why I put quotes there because we would roll with him and he would go 110% with us. And he was our rank and because he thought it would be easy. Once right. he realized it wasn't, it was this moment of, okay. And then he wanted to roll with us again. More to feed his ego to prove, hey... One, I'm not going to get smashed by a guy that's going to be better than me. Two, it's a female. Can I still beat this female? When I have to give 100% of my strength and I have to be in survival, I have to protect myself. It wasn't about my ego when I rolled with him. But I've gotten to the point where I'm like, he, I'm not touching him. I'm not. I don't care if I outrank him or if my technique is where it's at and I'm where I'm at. Mm -mm. I can't. I can't do it. And I'm still at the point where I'm... I'm naive in a sense that when I first roll with someone, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go like I'm out for blood and then I'm more likely to get hurt initially because they think, Oh, this is an easy target. Well you shouldn't and you shouldn't have to feel that way. That's what sucks is when you're like, Hey, I'm not trying to kill you because there's literally no point but when people take advantage of that, and that's another yeah. another message that, like, because if you are a white belt listening to this, or if you're an upper rank or have a student that you feel needs to listen to this, what we're trying to explain is... Don't take advantage of the situation. Exactly. Like, if I'm injured or... And some people at the same ranks will do that to each other as well, but yeah. if we're injured or if we're, you know, just going slower, we're calm people, don't take advantage of that because... I will tell you, it can come back to bite you in the ass, like, hard. Yeah, I've had I've had instances where I've expressed, hey, I just competed, I have this injury, or I have work-related injuries where I've dislocated my shoulders a couple times, I work with livestock, it happens. I mean, for one, there was one where it was like, hey, I was in a car accident a couple days ago, probably shouldn't have been at the gym. David didn't know, because then he yelled at me, because we were doing rolling, <laughs> and afterwards I was like, yeah, I'm hurting today. He's like, why? And I was like, I was in a car accident, and he yelled so much, so... If you have injuries, be upfront with your coaches because they will yeah. find out and they will yell at you. Training partners too, like everybody just say, hey. But if somebody informs you, hey, I am hurt, do not take advantage by going after that. Stay away from it. Work on your game in different facets. If you only yeah. do certain things, guess what? You need to focus on something else. And then on the flip side, if you tell someone, hey, I'm not feeling it today. Can we do a flow roll? 
That does not mean five seconds into them relaxing, you take advantage and go 110%. Yeah. So it, it's both people. It is trust that if you tell someone you were injured, you are trusting that they will not attack you. If mm-hmm. you were telling someone or if someone has told you, hey, we need to go lighter today. I either need a recovery day. It doesn't matter. You do not take advantage of that by going 110%. Yep. You respect the level of the role. It will come back to bite you in the ass, I'm telling you. It will. Like, <laughs> so to really end this episode, the last thing we want to touch on mentally, which is something we briefly touched on on, on the physical part of this, is don't be too hard on yourself because jujitsu is a marathon, not a sprint. This is a life. If you're sticking in this and like you stick with it, this is a lifelong journey. Peaks yeah. and valleys, we were actually... One of the brown belts we were talking to earlier today even said where he's at, there's still peaks and valleys. You still have good days. You still have bad days. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things my first coach told me, because there was there was a period where it felt like a plateau where it, like nothing was working, nothing was going on. And she told me, each day you have to find the silver lining because that's what gets you to come back. And that say that day, maybe the same submission, they didn't submit you as many times. That's the silver lining. Maybe this movement, this or this part of a movement you haven't gotten and all of a sudden it clicked. That's your silver lining. Maybe you finally got this one sweep you've been working on for six months. That's a silver lining. Maybe you rolled with a very aggressive person, but you never felt in danger. That's a silver lining. Those moments. One. Yeah, those <laughs> moments bring you back. For me, the biggest one was like being completely suffocated. Like I couldn't breathe. And having so much pressure in my neck, but not wanting to give up. Being like, I'm fine. It's just pressure. I can, I, I have a little itty bitty pocket. I'm fine. <laughs> that's a huge, that's Tho- a huge Those moments. Line. Yeah. Those are, those are big ones. And yeah, those are things that really bring you back because you're going to have so, I think I have so many more hard days in the gym than I have good days. And competition's part of that too and we can have a whole episode on competition but sometimes you're going to learn a technique and it's going to take you six months to two years to actually understand the technique sometimes you're going to learn a technique that you've done since day one there's a technique i've done since my second week that it's one of my favorite techniques i was just told that there was a small adjustment i could have been doing and i've been doing it for almost four years you were there for it too (laughs) you were there for when david was like oh you just do this yeah. It modified a technique I'd been doing for four years. Yeah. So these are all the mis- mental aspects of training. And not only do we hope this helps newer people that are coming to jujitsu, hopefully it helps someone who's been doing jujitsu. And maybe you needed these like itty bitty reminders, you know, whatever it is that you, you've gotten a takeaway from this episode is really what we, we're hoping um, you get from this. And if you feel the need to reach out, that you either can't talk to your coach or teammates, please reach out to us. Our email is ladiesofblackbeltorbust at gmail.com. We have our Instagram account, blackbeltorbust. Send us a message. Even if it's not even to ask any questions, but you just need to vent to someone. Yeah. Please talk to us. Yeah. We're here. Yep. Um, And yeah, any communication, we're open to it. So we appreciate you for supporting us this far. And thank you for listening. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay tuned for the next episode. Bye.